The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and leave, a, leave some sort of marker in, in that section because we're going to be coming back to it a good bit today. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Actually, the entire chapter is of, is of um, great benefit when studying the resurrection of the dead. Um, we've already read one section of it today, and I'll be referring to it quite a bit in my message. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll begin reading at verse number 35. You may remain seated. Verse 35. Verse 35, but some men say will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool! That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which uh, thou sowest, thou sowed not that body that shall be, but bare grain, if it may chance of, of wheat or some other grain. I'm sorry, my, my sight is really bad, so bear with me. Verse 38. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star uh, in glory." So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, the second man is, is the Lord from heaven. And it is earthly, such as they that are, that are earthy, and as it is heaven, such that are, that also that are heavenly. And so we have borne the, the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. For it is in the truth of your word that we find solace. 
It is in the truth of your word that we have hope. So as we come here together today, we ask that you would instruct us from your word, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, and that you would fill us with your spirit as we live our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of our Savior, for it was the first fruit, it was the first to be, to be raised, and all of us shall follow. Thank you, Lord, in these things, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, millions of people around this world are gathering in churches. Most are gathering because they believe that today is some type of holy day. They believe that some special dispensation of grace will be given to them because they are faithful to attend the Easter service. You know, there's a lot of confusion and chaos in this world this morning, isn't there? We've, for two years now, we've been in the midst of a pandemic. People are uncertain, they're, they're fearful. But doesn't the Bible tell us that before the end comes that there will be pestilence in this world? There are some today who are very disturbed and, and upset about the goings-on in, in Europe between Russia and Ukraine and the fearful involvement of the Chinese in some of these things. But does, it, does the Bible not tell us that there will be wars and rumors of wars? Listen, let me tell you, as soon as I heard that Russia and China were, were kind of lining themselves together, I started looking toward the eastern sky. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be fearful of those things this morning. They're troubling, yeah, they're, they're disturbing. And certainly we don't want to see people suffer. But we don't need to live in fear. We don't need to be afraid this morning. You see, unfortunately, most people, they, they resurrect Jesus on Easter Sunday, and then they put him back in the tomb and say, now stay there till next Easter. And, I, and we laugh, but that's what they do, is it not? Our, our, our risen Lord is risen every day. Every day to the believer is Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord every day, for in that is our hope. We read earlier today, this morning, if Jesus is still in the grave, what hope do we have? We have no hope. But there is nothing any more special about this Sunday than any other Sunday. Yes, it is the anniversary of the resurrection of our Lord. But then to the elect children of God, every Sunday commemorates the resurrection of our Savior. And further, our Lord did not rise from the grave to give us a holy day. He rose from the grave to give us victory over death and the grave. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, you should still be there. Look at verse 55. Here Paul writes, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came out of the grave to give us victory over death and, and over the grave. 
Not so that we would have a day when we could, when we could, uh, be holy. We're, in, we're admonished to be holy at all times. So the emphasis of my message this morning is not in, in Jesus' resurrection. Rather, I wish to emphasize the resurrection of the dead. Our resurrection. Now, let's back up just a couple of pages to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Oh, wait, I go forward, I'm sorry. <laughs> let's go forward to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'll start reading at verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no... What's that next word? Hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also... Uh, which even even so, them which also we sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you uh, by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Do you see that? Verse sixteen. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead to give us victory over death. To give us victory over the grave. And Paul here is writing, he wishes us not to be ignorant of these truths. Yet there are so many. There are so many that I encounter who, who say that they are children of God, that they are believers. And they're, they're totally ignorant of these things that we're talking about this morning. There are, there are many who deny our faith. And they deny our hope of redemption. In Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. There are those that... That, that, that mock our beliefs. There are those who, who belittle our hopes. And this isn't new. This has been going on since the beginning of time. Doubters mocking believers. Well, we know what we believe in, don't we? And we know in what we hope. Paul said, for I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He will not forget you. He will not forsake you. Russia can, can make all the noise it wants. China can make all the noise it wants. 
pestilence can sweep across this globe and, 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 and try to destroy as many as it will. None of that influences us. We have faith in Christ. We are sure he will not forsake us. He will not leave us. He is with us every minute of every day. Hallelujah for that. And this is the reason we must be diligent to teach the truth of God's word to our children, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. It is the only way they will grow. First Peter chapter 2, Peter says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You don't bring a newborn baby home and put him in his crib and say, okay, refrigerator's down the hall to the left. Supper, dinner's at five. No, we don't do that. We coddle them. We nurse them. We, we love them. We, we goo-goo and gaga at them and all these other things. I was never a very good goo-goo or gaga. I was never good at that. But, but, uh, we, we, we take care of these newborn babies. We got, isn't it interesting? A baby has to be taught everything except how to lie. Children don't have to be taught how to lie. That's a natural instinct. But they got to be taught everything else. The Word of God grows us. It, it matures us. Ephesians chapter 4. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about, with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That we grow. God doesn't want us to be blown about by doctrine. That's why Pastor Smith <coughs> is so diligent in this church to teach doctrine. He doesn't teach his opinions. He doesn't teach uh, his preferences. He teaches doctrine. And let me tell you, when you find a church that teaches doctrine, you better hang on tight. Don't, don't let it go, because they're very few and far between. Teaching. It's important. So with this in mind, allow me to share some thoughts this morning with you concerning the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the saints. Now, there are many directions I could take on this journey into the scriptures However, for the sake of time, I'm going to focus this morning on four things concerning the resurrection of the saints. Now, I'll give you these. You don't have a study sheet. I had quite a week getting this sermon together, I'm going to tell you. <coughs> a pastor's fortunate, a preacher's fortunate, <coughs> if he can write one message, if he can write a message one time and get it where he likes it. I had to do it four times this week. Every time I would write the message, then I'd... I'd go back through to, to remove all of my texts, all of my, my, my thoughts, and just leave the scriptures in blanks so you could follow. Every time I'd do that, I'd save it, and it would wipe out my entire sermon. All I had was an outline. I'd sit there and look at that. I'd say, I can't preach from this. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> so I did it again. And when I saved it, it did it again. I don't know what's going on. I was perplexed. So I pushed it aside and I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I got it in me to do this again. So around Wednesday, I did it again. 
wrote it again. I got it where I, where I felt comfortable with it. Saved it. Same thing happened. Now you'd think by now I would have learned to print it before I saved it. But no, I didn't. So I had to do it again. This time I, 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 I didn't. I printed it. And you don't have an outline. Because I wasn't trying that again. But I'll give you the points as I can. Number one. Four thoughts about our resurrection. Number one. We will be changed. We will be changed. From corruptible to incorruptible. We read a moment ago in 1 Corinthians 15, 42. <coughs> so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Now, one of the bedrock tenets of our doctrine is the total depravity of man. We believe that man is depraved. Complete, completely depraved. All around this, all around this, this world right now, you got people who are trying to, to live incorruptible lives. They're, they're, they're doing the best they can. They're, they're denying themselves of everything under the sun. When I, I grew up Roman Catholic. And Roman Catholics during the Lent season, they give up something. They have to give up one thing that, and you'd be amazed at the things they give up. Some of them give up potato chips. You, you laugh, but that, it's true. <coughs> it's true. They give up potato chips. They, they give up, uh, <coughs> they give up uh, macaroni or something like that. They don't give up drinking and carousing and smoking and all these other things, but they give up, they give up, you know, they make a sacrifice. And men all over this world are trying to live incorrupted lives. But it's not possible. This side of heaven, it's not possible. Now, I know, all of, I know most of you. I shouldn't say I know all of you because I see some faces I've never seen before. <coughs> I know most of you. And I know, you, I know you're, by, by man's standard, you're good people. But none of us in this room are incorruptible. We, we all fall short. Romans 3.10 as is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And that's God's word. Man is devoid of righteousness. Man is incapable of effecting a change to this condition. Apart from divine intervention. I've tried. I'm 65 years old. I've tried so many times in my life. To, to, to change my bad habits and get rid of them. And I, I just can't succeed. Hmm? They keep coming back. Man is devoid of righteousness. He cannot possibly affect a change in his, in his own heart. 
First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Apart from God's intervention, apart from the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives, we cannot, we cannot change our, ourselves into living a righteous life. Our, we must be changed. Corruptible must be changed to incorruptible. We read it again in 1 Corinthians 15. For the corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. We must be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. We must be changed from darkness to light. Acts chapter 26 and verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should um, rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. The light that we have in us is the light of Jesus Christ. And he rose from the dead to impart that light and that life unto all who believe in him. Now we must understand the necessity of this change, this alteration to the body of man. You and I are not going to get to heaven in this flesh. <coughs> it's not going to happen. We're, we're either going to die and go into the grave and be resurrected uh, at the rapture of the church, or if, if the rapture takes place while we're alive, we're going to be changed instantly and brought up to the Lord. But this flesh, this corruptible flesh, is not going to heaven. This much we know. Why? Why must we be changed? <coughs> well, my first thought is flesh is corrupt. Genesis 6:12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Yes, the flesh of man is corrupt, and furthermore, it corrupts everything around it. Don't, don't leave 1 Corinthians 15, don't, don't lose it. But turn, let's turn to um, Romans chapter 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8. And let's begin reading at verse number 21, Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Did you see that? Even creation itself, all of creation travails together, waiting for that redemption, waiting for that, that time when God will redeem all these things. <coughs> 
I told I told a, a young man in our office in my office this week. I said, "Do you know? Don't live for this world because do you know this world is not is God's going to destroy this earth. He's going to destroy this world." And he looked at me. I said, "The Lord is going to destroy the heavens and the earth, and He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth." And boy, he looked at me like, "What?" I said, "We'll talk about this more." Yeah, this is all corrupt. It's all corrupt. It's all been corrupted. And you know who corrupted it? Man. Man corrupted it. All of creation has been corrupted by man. But why else should we, why must we be changed? Well, first, flesh is corrupt, but secondly, flesh is cursed. Our flesh, this flesh, this flesh that we love so dearly, this flesh that we, we worry about so much is corrupt and is cursed. In Genesis chapter 3, I'm not going to take the time to turn to it, but in Genesis chapter 3, God cursed the flesh of man, did he not? Yes, he did. He cursed the flesh of man and he cursed the earth. It's all under a curse. Adam, by virtue of his disobedience, sinned. He fell under the penalty of death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And each of us here have fallen under the same condemnation. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Therefore, to satisfy the holiness of God, the flesh must be changed. For some, this will be accomplished through death and the resurrection. For others, it will be accomplished at the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read it a few moments ago. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So this corruptible flesh must put on incorruption. We die in corruption, but we rise incorruptible. Praise the Lord. But then, my second thought concerning our resurrection is this. We will be exalted. We will be exalted from dishonor to glory. Now back at the fifth, to First Corinthians fifteen, verse forty-three. What, was this, what do we read here? We read, "It is sown in dishonor; it is raised in glory." Notice in this in this statement, Paul confirms that we are born in dishonor. King David acknowledged his natural state of depravity. 
In Psalm 51 and verse 5, Paul writes, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David is saying here, I, I was born with this nature. I, I, I have a sinful nature from, from the mother's womb. Depravity is an inherent condition. And he is saying, by depraved men was I conceived, and as a depraved man do I dwell in this body of flesh. Solomon, in his divine wisdom, Solomon understood the dishonorable state of man in the flesh. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, Solomon writes, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So Solomon understood this. No one had the wisdom of Solomon except Jesus Christ himself. So we are, we are, we are born in dishonor. This flesh dwells in a state of dishonor. And such we are in our, in our flesh. We're depraved and dishonorable. However, at the resurrection, we shall be raised incorruptible, having the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, we read, And be found in him, Jesus, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Yes, we are raised incorruptible through the resurrection of the dead. We are raised into righteousness. I have no righteousness. None. All of our good works are as what, the Bible says? Filthy rags unto God. Now, don't let me miss, don't misunderstand me. God is pleased with our works of, of, with our good works. But they're not, they're, they can't be offered to him as my righteousness. I have no righteousness. <laughs> the best thing I can do is just a filthy rag. The only way I'm going to possess the righteousness that I need to, to enter into the, the grace of God is the righteousness that I will gain through the power of Jesus is resurrection. The resurrection of the dead. And his righteousness is imputed into us. We shall be raised in his likeness. And shall be with him in his glory and in his image. Romans tells us in chapter 6 and verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the resurrection will change us. The resurrection will exalt us. We die in in corruption. We rise in incorruption. We die in dishonor. And we rise in glory. But then the third thought I want to share with you concerning our resurrection is this. We are matured. We are matured from weakness to power. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. What is more frail than the human body. We, we like to think that we're so, so great. These big, out, big old athletes, they, they're so strong and they work and they do all this physical stuff. <coughs> I used to do that. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Tabor. But what's more frail than the human body? We're susceptible to so many things. Disease. I don't care how strong you are. You can't fight cancer. Cancer is going to get you. Disease. Cold. Huh? Who in this room has never had a cold? Any of you? Any of you never catch the common cold? Which, by the way, is a coronavirus, in case you didn't know that. Hmm? We're susceptible, aren't we? Heat. Oh, I hate heat. Well, sorry, I dislike heat. I'm not supposed to hate anything. I dislike heat. I grew up in the torrential climate in South Louisiana. I I I used to live in a, in a climate that at six a.m. it was already ninety degrees, and at noon in the shade it was one hundred and twenty. Huh? Mosquitoes the size of hawks. Yeah, you have to keep your children on a chain, make sure that the mosquitoes didn't fly away with them. Heat, starvation. We're so powerful, aren't we? If we don't eat often enough, we starve. These things, we're not so strong. We're not so powerful. This weakness is the result of man's fall. It's the result of sin. It's the result of sin. Adam and Eve lived in perfectness. But because they sinned and the flesh was cursed, they fell. And all these problems began to surmount. We all, all of us here, will succumb to the natural course of life. I don't care who you are. Hebrews 9 tells us, as it is appointed unto men once to die. We're all going to die. We're all dying today. I used, to tell my, I used to tell my high school students all the time, you begin to die the minute you're born. The second, you begon- the second you're born, you begin to die. We're all dying men. 
I'm a dying man preaching to a room full of dying men. But praise the Lord that in that day, we, when we are resurrected in Christ, we will pass from weakness unto strength. Revelation 21 and verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The life that God intended for Adam will be ours to live for eternity. Death will have no dominion over us. Sin will have no place with us. Strength will be ours forever. We die in weakness, but we rise in strength. And then, number four, and lastly this morning, we are perfected. We are perfected from the natural to the spiritual. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty four. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. The flesh, which we know is corrupt, always seeks to fulfill its own lusts. James, in his book, writes in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished bringing forth death. We can try as we will to control our flesh. We can try to to do the right things. But we can never let our guard down, can we? Because the moment you think you've got control... And the moment you think you've got your flesh dialed in, the moment you let your guard down, those lusts come creeping back into your heart. And they start tempting you all over again. You, you can't beat the flesh. You can't do it. Not, not the natural man. In our, in our natural selves, we can't do it. This natural condition of the flesh will remain with us until we are changed at the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read it earlier. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I will die a natural man, subject to, my, to the lusts of the flesh, subject to the, to the ravages of, of, of this 
sinful world. I will die a natural man. But I will rise a spiritual man. And this new man. This new man. There's three things I want to tell you real quickly about this new man that rises in the spiritual nature. First one is this. We are subject to the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come. Then that which is in part shall be done away. We'll be subject. We'll we'll be obedient. This new man. This spiritual man will be obedient to the spirit of God. In verse 12 he says. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as also. I am known. We will, we, will, we will rise and we will be obedient to God's spirit. No longer will we battle with flesh. Rather, we will live in the perfect knowledge of God and will most decisively live in the spirit. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day when I don't have to fight my, my, my flesh and all those lusts and all those all those desires that, that shame us and, and we despise so greatly. <clears throat> what a glorious day that will be. When we will, we will love God as we should love God. When we will obey God as we should obey God. The second thing about this new man <coughs> is we will be employed in the service of the Lord. Employed in the service, I'm sorry, to the Lord, not of the Lord. We will be employed in this service to the Lord. We will invest every, every effort, everything for all time. I was about to say every moment, but there's no moments in heaven because it's eternal. And for all time, forevermore, we will be employed in the service to the Lord. We will serve God constantly. And we will, we will, we will invest our time and efforts in nothing else but serving our God. Revelation 7.15 Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. All that we do will be to bring glory and honor to the name of our Lord. Now we might like to feel like we do that but we don't really do that here. All that we do There's some things we do for ourselves. There's some things we do uh, selfishly. But not then. That new man that's going to, the natural man does that, but this new man that's going to rise, he invests everything in the Lord. Everything. And then the third thing about this new man is this. He delights in spiritual things. Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. We will delight in spiritual things. I've heard some people say, boy, he's going to be a miserable Christian in heaven. There is no miserable Christian. There's no miserable Christians in heaven. 
Because the new man that comes out of the, out of the grave, the new man that rises at the resurrection, his delight is in spiritual things. We, we have such a misconception. Partly because we don't know scripture. We will have but one desire. To see and know the Lord. That's, that's it. That's all that we're going to have. So, some dear, dear old elderly lady uh, recently asked me, well, what are we going to do with all that time in heaven? <laughs> I told her, I said, we're going to love and glory over God. We're going to sit at his feet. We're going to hear his words. We're going to gaze upon his face. We're going to worship him. We're going to praise him. For all eternity, we will have no other desire. So, armed with these truths of our resurrection, how should we live our lives each day? Well, on the study sheet I wanted to hand you, I had this nice little section at the bottom that had these blanks that you were going to fill in. But you're not going to get to fill You're going to have to copy everything I'm about to say. How should we live our lives? Live every moment of every day in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Listen, if we truly understand the resurrection of the dead, and if we truly comprehend what we're going to be when that takes place, why in the world would we want to stay here? Why in the world would we want to suffer in this life? That's why Paul said in Philippians 1, In 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is is to serve the Lord here on this earth while I have time to do the works of God which has sent me while it is day for the night cometh when no man may work. For me to live is Christ, Paul said, but boy, it's to die is gain. Oh, to to be in heaven with the Lord, that's what it's all about. So live every moment of every day in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Uh, Jesus is coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe soon. But he's coming again. That much is for sure. I'll see him. I'll see him. It might be through the grave. Or it might be through the clouds. But I'm going to see him. Praise God. I'm going to see him. My Savior. He lives. He lives. Every day. Not just one day a year. Not just on Easter Sunday. He lives every day. Every day. Let's live like it.
If, if we're truly his children, if we truly believe these things, then let's live like we are his children. And let's live like we truly believe these things. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we stand before you dying men. And we are so grieved, Lord, over the condition of our flesh, over the condition of our world. You truly intend for us. But Lord, help as we tarry on this earth. Don't let us live in defeat. I pray that your spirit would instruct us and encourage us and and build us and, and cause us to live our lives with the reality and the anticipation that you're coming and that I need to be ready for that and I need to be diligently serving you and, and spreading your word and, and being an encouragement and all these things. And Lord, we know we're going to fail miserably. We are going to fail no matter how hard we try. We know that we are not perfect and we will never be perfect this side of the grave. But we also know, Lord, that you love us. And that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us and you'll forgive us and you'll, you'll restore us and you'll strengthen us. So this is what we ask. Let us step away from this Easter Sunday understanding that the resurrection of the dead is for us. You came out the grave first, but now it will be our turn. Use this time that we've had today to strengthen us and to teach us. And help us, Lord, help us to live for you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.